Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, what's up, Chase Thomas podcast? Back again. The Daily Gamecocks. Joe Machika is here. Joe, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. It feels like forever ago that uh, my Tennessee Volunteers uh, dismantled your South yeah. Carolina Gamecocks. Yeah, it does feel like forever ago. South Carolina's been up and down since, so it, especially to us, it definitely definitely feels like that one was, was a long, long time ago. Long, long, long time ago. It was fun, though. Were you in attendance? For you. Um, for the second, I mean, we came alive there in that second half, and uh, you know, provided you know, shown what we, we what we can do. Um, you know, we do that at least once a game per season. Mm. I found, uh, but I mean, against against you all and the Volunteers, it just too little, too late. It seems to be the story with uh, this team this year, and especially last week at Missouri, we saw a little bit more of the same. So uh, yeah, well. Okay, so walk me through what happened with Missouri because I did the recap videos and I was watching that because obviously there were no offense to the South Carolina faithful, but uh, that game did not have my full attention. So for the folks that did not sit through the 60 minutes there, how would you articulate what happened, especially late in that game and why South Carolina ultimately fell to Mizzou? So, um, especially like late in that game, the first half was, you know, it was kind of back, it was really back and forth, you know, you know, they would score, we would score, um, just really responded there. But uh, right before half, you know, we, we thought we had them. We stopped them on the goal line with – they had zero timeouts. But they had the kicking team ready, so they trotted them out there sure enough, and they were able to kick a field goal with, you know, as time was expiring. And so I think that going into the second half definitely swung the momentum. Um, and as the second half kind of progressed, our run defense just kept giving up big run after big run after big run to um, Tyler Beatty, who's leading the SEC in rushing yards. Um, and so with, with Beatty being just like he would be there, our defense was on the field for so long, and then our offense would get on the field. It would just be – there was a costly turnover, which ended up resulting in like the whole momentum swing um, when Jason Brown fumbled um, on like our four-yard line. We couldn't get anything going like – like in in the third quarter offensively which i mean eventually led i mean they, they scored seven in, in the third quarter but um you know with that that fumble that that brown had pretty much swung the momentum um in their favor and we just we couldn't get it back our offense just kept stalling out there in that second half and you just when, when your offense can't do anything and your defense can't really stop the run it it's hard to win football games so um you know Credit Tyler Beatty, he, he ran all over, all over our poor defense. But um, you know, at, at some point, he, the offense has to be on the field long enough to give the defense a little bit of a breather and kind of recap some things instead of uh, you know always you know, four and outs and what have you. Would say um, the offense generated there in that that third and fourth quarter just it's not not acceptable in the SEC. You just can't have that. So what's gone wrong on in that department with the offense late in games? What uh, what has happened in the last few weeks? What are what's just really really frustrating South Carolina fans? Um, so I mean, from our standpoint, it's definitely like running the ball. Um, our game plan has not been up to par um, as in, in the run game, at least. Um, one thing that coaches were talking about with Mizzou is that you know we we didn't for we didn't I guess prepare well enough to see all of the blitz packages and what have you um and this team thrives on getting the run game like beamer's offense thrives on getting the run game going 
to an extent like it doesn't necessarily have to be there all the time like we've seen like bright spots out of this offense when we're not running the ball well it's just it needs to be the complete package and you know having the run game synchronous and like with that just like the biggest frustration is especially after last year when Kevin Harris went for a thousand yards just not being able to run the ball and I think it's you know we have we we do have our troubles on the offensive line um you know we've got a couple guys banged up but that, that shouldn't be an excuse for you know matchup wise and not not being able to read the blitzes so I mean long story short just our inability to run the football is eventually costing us games because if, if we can't run it on first and second down um I mean in, in like a normal pro style offense then you're left with like a third and seven third and eight third and long situation and just every single time like it leaving it to that one pass play or even leaving it to pass plays on second and third down um just a lot less of a chance to convert through the air than you know if, if you can get a big big gain on first down um you know so just the offense and their inability to run and the inability to just i guess game plan like because we've seen that a lot um or i shouldn't say a lot a couple times from like beamer's team and marcus satterfield that you just there have been things like schematically that we haven't necessarily addressed and that we weren't entirely prepared for. Um, they talked about it this week too, that just coaches need to do a better job of um, rehashing things and making sure offensive linemen are, they're seeing the things that the right, you know, schemes out there and expecting pretty much everything. But, um, yeah. So why did those issues not prop up against Florida? Um, I think because Florida, we saw Florida had shown most of their uh, their game film, or from from what the coaches have said in, in uh, press conferences, is that Florida's shown a lot, um, and that um, Florida reacted similar to us, like scoring. They they reacted in that game. They reacted poorly, I would say, um, to just adversity and us scoring, like the back and forth game. Florida got hit in the mouth in that game, and they just they didn't respond. Um, and I think it was more of them collapsing. And then it was also our run game, too. Um, we didn't have the right game plan for Florida. We we saw what was going on, what they were going to try to do defensively. Um, they're not as m- much of a dynamic team defensively as I would say a um, as a Missouri, um, at least from what I've seen watching them on tape um, leading up to the game. But I d- definitely think that we were more prepared for Florida than we were um, a Missouri and a um, – Say what's another game? We lost uh, Kentucky. Kentucky mm. that we just we couldn't we weren't as prepared for, I guess. Um, so yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's fair considering Shane Beamer has been packing his bags for weeks now, wondering uh, when he's getting the call from uh, Hokey Country uh, when it's time to go back home and follow in his father's footsteps. No, um, I don't think he's going back. I think uh, from my perspective, and just I I feel like this is. Uh, a general perspective on this is just that like i wouldn't want to follow my father's footsteps especially yeah. a legendary father anyway and also uh i think south carolina is a better job than virginia tech in 2021 so um i mean obviously the sec is changing and we're probably gonna get the pods and the east will be different than it is now but by and large i i just i'm, I'm choosing columbia over blacksburg every day of the week and i'm not following my legendary father who is probably the best coach in that program's history so uh hard pass but he also just gave a really great answer about his kids growing up in the area and he wants them to go to high school in columbia and everything are you like i think it's just less about do you think he'll go to virginia tech but do you think he is someone that if a better sec job comes up like if florida calls or something like that that would be more interesting to me but it's also just that like 
we haven't seen enough yet and we're in year zero for him um what do you make of all of that and all the noise there so all the noise with Virginia Tech, obviously he went there and his father and obviously all of that stuff. And it, to, to the media scope, it, it seems like the dream job and that's what you want to take over and everything. But, um, you know, to his point and like to your point too, like it's it's a lot to follow in Frank Beamer's footsteps um, for one. And then two, like on the, on the point of uh, like another SEC job, I think that Columbia and South Carolina provides a unique opportunity to – that we're – I would say – our program like on a national like media and like facility wise too i think we're kind of a sleeping giant i think we're up there we can um we're definitely like up there like with facility wise and recruiting wise like if a recruit comes to south carolina he's gonna see i wouldn't say the same like because kirby smart spends a million bucks on recruiting every year i wouldn't say he's gonna see the same as he would with georgia but um i would say like facility wise and like what we've got going here, what the athletic department has done with the football program is that we've transitioned from all of the hype that Spurrier was able to build. We've we've taken that and realized, okay, this is where we want to be. This is what a high quality football program looks like. And we've built it to the point where Beamer seems like the guy. um, And he seems like the one who like wants to build it up from the ground up. Um, Cause obviously Muschamp, Muschamp was the ground for sure. Um, but so, I push back against that a little bit in terms of just that, like, the ground up stuff, I need college coaches to stop getting away with this because you hear that everywhere. Um, yeah. It's a way to get job security and yeah. to make it seem as like, no, Muschamp was recruiting. Like, Muschamp didn't get the wins. He made some questionable offensive coordinator hires, like the McClendon hire and stuff like that. Yeah. He didn't evolve in that front. But, like, to make it seem like South Carolina is UConn in year zero is yeah. just not true. Like the, the yeah. I understand there are disparities between Georgia and South Carolina, yeah. but when they do that, man, it's not just South Carolina. So I'm not picking on Beamer here, but like it is a, a trope across all of college football now where they're like, Hey, brick by brick, we got to start from the ground level. I'm tearing this all down. It's like, no, you don't. Not every job is like that. The, yep. Jim Moore is a bare bone situation at UConn. A lot of these SEC jobs are not bare bones. Like, uh, Eli Drinkwitz was not coming into a bare bones situation. Brian Harson's not coming into a bare bones situation. And this idea that you deserve three to four years to get your guys in there and figure stuff out is just not true. Ike Heipel went in there immediately with all these transfers. Yeah. He's going to go seven and five in year yeah. zero. Like he did it with none of his guys. Like he went through Hendon Hooker came in for Pruitt in January and he did everything. So it's just, I, that always uh, this it's just like I have to have this diatribe because I it, this is why I should not be allowed in press conferences, Joe. Because I'm immediately pushing back and raising my hand and being like, no, 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 no. Do I need yeah. to go back to the rink? Like, let's just look at your roster and then we'll compare it to like uh, I don't know. Uh, let's just throw out a team here: uh, West Virginia, North Carolina, whatever. Like, let, let, you're not getting a sob story from me, and you don't get three years just because. The, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not playing that game with you. I'm here for that too. Like Beamer did inherit Kevin Harris and right. as a Corey White and a Jordan Birch, as you will. Um, but I'm saying Lynch from, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so from that standpoint, yes, Muschamp did recruit and he did have his guys, you know, in here. But it just from the stand and I would like going on your point from the ground up. I would say uh, another coach who's in that position would be Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to your point, like I, I do agree Beamer, Beamer has had a little bit and he, he's really good. Um, I, I wouldn't say that this is necessarily like a doc on him, but he's very good at, um, swaying the general public. His, 
press conferences, God bless him, but they're they're hard to cover from a media standpoint because he talks for a half hour. <laughs> you know, my roommate was like, "Why don't you just take what what you want and what out of what he said?" I'm like, "Well, because he, you know, he talks for 30 minutes, and there's so much that he said that you know." you could take it in so many different directions. Um, but so, you know, at the end of the day, like you're, you're right. Um, he, he doesn't, didn't necessarily inherit a, a ground zero situation. Um, and we, you know, all we got to do is get one of the last two. And I, ideally the, the last one would be the, the more sweeter one against Clemson. But uh, well, let's talk about that. Like Clemson's not like a, it is incredible that we are entertaining Clemson, South Carolina being close. But I think we've seen enough uh, from Clemson's offense to make the case that like if South Carolina has an opportunity, it's it's just going to be an ugly, gross, low scoring turnover heavy type deal. But like I am not ready to just checkmark Clemson getting through that game, which is the, the first time in a really long time. And it's not a really Shane Beamer thing because like if it, no. it's really just a Clemson thing. But uh yeah. It's a, it's a possibility. Yeah, it's Clemson being down this year. Um, number one, and like just have them having an off year, and you know it's it's exciting for like to be a student at South Carolina when like the, there's actually a possibility we might beat Clemson and we might beat them at home. Because um, I, I I refuse to cover this game for the paper because I <laughs> get to make it to a Clemson Carolina game at home, and this is going to be the last one. Um, as my time as a student. So I'm like, I told my editor, I'm like, Hey, I'm not covering this one. I, we've got the best chance we've had in years. I, I gotta be in that stadium. He's like, I totally understand. Um, but I think, yeah, like Clemson being down and their offense has shown that they have the firepower that they can do it. It's just, it's a matter of, you know, I feel like it, this game might be in any, almost any given Saturday, if you will. Um, you know, who, what team shows up for South Carolina and what team shows up for Clemson? Because we've seen it both on both both ends of the spectrum this season, um, like obviously from us in the Florida game, if we show up like we did against Florida, like it could be a long day for Clemson. But again, to Clemson's testament, if they show up like they did against, uh, shoot, I haven't really looked at their schedule much, but um, you know, if, if they show up like like a team that that we've seen, I guess from like I I'm I'm originally from South Bend, Indiana, so. I, I watched the game, uh, the Notre Dame Clemson game last year, and I would kind of compare the two teams, uh, other than the fact that Clemson isn't as powerful as they were, or they didn't necessarily have as many um, many units on offense and defense as they uh, do this year. But at the same time, it kind of feels like with DJ Uyunglele um, at center, it, it kind of seems like it's been. I don't want to say the issue because obviously there's a lot of issues with a struggling offense, as we should, as I should know at South Carolina, but just seems different and uh you know south carolina fans are rallying behind that and just the fact that they were down i mean any game that they lost if you were in the stadium and they put it up on the scoreboard cheers erupted from around the stadium and so you know it's it's just that general excitement that i feel like the south carolina fan base is bringing to this game like hey they stink this year we might actually beat them and i think that's why this game's getting national attention um and to say like that South Carolina is even in it is fun because the Palmetto Bowl is a great rivalry. It's you know ACC versus SEC, and it's always um, been like when South Carolina can get up to you know kind of a, a little bit more of a level that uh, you know other SEC teams are playing on. It's it's a pretty good testament of the difference between the SEC and ACC and what a good ACC team looks like in Clemson and what a good SEC. Or I shouldn't say good, but decent SEC program in South Carolina looks like. 
good SEC program. Let's settle down. Let's settle down, sir. I know you're not covering the game as an as a writer, but let's settle down on that front. Um, I'm telling you, he it's very hard not to get behind what he's doing because he's mm-hmm. just talking and talking, and he's so positive and you know. I think after the the most humbling we've seen Beamer all year is after that Georgia game when he was just like, like you, you see they got five stars across the board. Like there's nothing you can do about it. Like that mm-hmm. clip press conference. Like that. Oh, I just I, experienced it on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a humbling experience playing playing a team like Georgia, especially this year. It's not even humbling. It's just not fun. Didn't enjoy yeah. the entire second half, and it was cold. Like now we're playing Georgia every year when it's cold because yeah. the Auburn switch in their schedule. So, um, yeah. no, did not did not have a great time. Did not no. have a great time. Um, but it is what it is. Like I said, this is still just like uh, it just what we expected going into this year in Tennessee versus where we're at. Um, I'll I'll take those lumps, especially if we close out on a high note against South Alabama and Vanderbilt, as we should. Um, and like something that uh, we can all agree and your South Carolina listeners that will tune in for this um, is that the cool thing about Tennessee, especially now, because you wanted to bring it back to Tennessee, I could see it uh, mm-hmm. that that's yeah. kind of where you're angling towards, Joe, is yep. that like Tennessee is now the sports czars, the sports kings of the conference as a whole. Like basketball, we have a realistic shot of winning a national title. Baseball, we just saw where Tony Vitello is taking this program and they're not going anywhere. Um, lady, ba- lady, The Lady Vols, our soccer team, SEC champions. Tennessee yep. is now a, uh, we are a year-round program. We're a year-round program. That's what we can hold over Georgia who now go into hibernation in a few months with basketball and baseball on the horizon. So I'm, I'm here for it because, you know, Football might not quite be there, but you know I get to enjoy great uh, Tennessee sports all year round. And hey, that's that's a rarity. And hypo, like uh, you're right, I was kind of hinting at it. Like I feel like our programs are in kind of a similar situation skill wise, and with the first head coach, the only difference between Tennessee and South Carolina, I will say, is that Tennessee's got the brand. They're you know it's the big mighty Vols, and uh, you know up there in Knoxville, and you guys have more of like a. Uh, almost yeah like just a bigger brand than us well i think it's the scheme right like so the difference with y'all year zero of hypo and year zero of beamer is he's a ceo and hypo's an offensive play caller like that's the difference is everything with beamer comes down to recruiting and who he hires below him hypo can come in with someone else's players and he's scheming cedric tillman open for 200 yards receiving and he can just plug in hendon hooker like shane beamer does not bring that level it's just it's not that one's better than the other it's just they're two different things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Marcus Satterfield, our offensive coordinator, like he's developing. Like I, I, I got to give it to him. Like he's learning each, each, each week. He's progressing um, from a play call standpoint, and he's getting better at checking every box and making sure that you know it kind of goes back to the run game thing with like the schematics behind it. Like he's getting better at checking every box and making sure that his players like are aware of schemes and the blitz packages and stuff like that. And I mean, to Clayton White's testament, our defensive coordinator, he's done fantastic things with the defense. I mean, he's, he was getting defense um, when, he, when he got the job, but at the same time, like schematically, our defense hasn't really fallen off um, from, I guess, years past um, with guys like, like we've seen the resurgence in the defensive backs with Jalen Foster and Cam Smith in the same way that we saw it with um, J.C. Horn and Israel Mukamu. Like, it's it's kind of the same thing, and White has done a great job at kind of coming in and adapting to what he's already had. Um, and with offense, like, it is it is hit or miss. It's such a hit or miss side of the ball, I guess. 
Um, so give give credit there. Um, but yeah, Satterfield's learning. He's getting better at it each week. And so both are back next year for sure. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, um, I think Beamer has a lot of faith in Satterfield. Um, I think they 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 work well together. Number one, and that's what you want to um, like. He's he's one of Beamer's guys. And if I think next year, if you know the offense doesn't improve, then we'll start to ask those questions. But I, I feel like both of them have done a, a pretty good job. Um, just kind of coming in here and being able to, you know, write an offense that, that works with the personnel. And, uh, you know, hopefully, again, like we don't want to say from ground zero, but um, with, you know, what Beamer and uh, Satterfield and White all came in here with, what their, what their idea for the program is, it'll be interesting to see these next couple of years how Beamer recruits for a Satterfield offense and for a, a White defense if – and again, if, if White keeps progressing it the way he is and keeps showing, I mean, he was named. Um, on, I can't. I can't remember the name of uh, the the award for the coordinator, but um, he was named on the watch list for the the defensive. Is it Broyles? Uh, it is the Broyles award. Yeah, because yeah. Tim Banks is on it for DC. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, if White can kind of keep that up, like I, I I'm going to be honest. I don't. I don't think he'll be – I think he'll start seeing other offers elsewhere if he can kind of keep on the trend that he's going, um, like the the recognition with the Broyles Award and what have you. I think he's done a great job with – I mean, adapting, number one, and two, um, just being able to, you know, put a game plan together that no matter – like, obviously, like, those aren't the guys that he helped recruit, but um, putting a game plan together with, with those guys that, you know, and having somewhat of success with it um, has been more of a testament than I'd say Satterfield's struggles. But, you know, obviously you hope for the best. For Absolutely. Both. Well, let's wrap up here. Uh, who do we watch down the stretch? Who who are some guys that folks should pay attention to for the Gamecocks the last two weeks here? I'm going to say is a Quandre White, a running back, and then I'm going to say Jalen Foster. Uh, I know he's been on a lot of watch lists and what have you, but I feel like um, – going down the stretch Jalen Foster Cam Smith and then again Zaquandre White White has done great things in the run game and has proved to be more of an effective back in some situations than Kevin Harris um, Kevin Harris like they, they've been splitting touches recently um, but yeah so White's a dynamic back he can kind of do it all and you know it's more of like a two running back system we got Harris to carry most of the workload and then White to kind of bounce it out to the outside and then defensively again I think Cam Smith gets slept on a little bit he's one of uh, the top corners in the the nation, in my opinion, um, I think he should have a high draft stock. I don't know why people aren't talking about that. Um, you know, he seems to be locked down. And the only thing with Cam is that it's it's the penalties. But, you know, you can try to fix those. And, you know, you can hope that he, he's, you know, learned from his mistakes previously. But, yeah, Cam Smith, I would say. And then Zaquandre White. There you go. There you go. How do we keep up with your work at the Daily Gamecock this week, Joe? Um, so you can follow me on Twitter. I've got all, I post all of my articles to Twitter, um, and then Instagram as well. Joe at Joe Machica, M-A-C-H-E-C-A. You can find all of my stuff there or on the daily Gamecock website. I usually have an article or two posted at one time. So yes, sir. There you go. There you go. Joe, thanks so much for the time. I greatly appreciate it. Good, re- eh, good luck the rest of the way. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. There you go. Both of our teams finishing out two and zero. That's, Absolutely. that's the plan. All right. Joe. Yeah. Good one, Chase. Talk to you soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.